Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Vince and is Zach. Hello, boys. We are talking about the books coming out on August 29th, starting with Action Comics Presents Doomsday, Doomsday Special number one. The first part of this is written by Dan Waters, illustrated by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira. This stuff uh, picks up a little bit from some uh, Lazarus Planet books that I vaguely remember reading. Um, but the the, <laughs> the the bulk of this book is a Kara Zor-El and Martian Manhunter in hell facing down Doomsday and, uh, you know, a, a couple other demons. And uh, I think it's interesting that every couple of years we get this sort of, uh, I don't want to say reappreciation, that's the wrong way to put it, but a sort of uh, incorporation of certain things from the death and return of Superman that show up. And so Doomsday is obviously a, a big one of those that happens all the time. Um, and so I'm curious, as as the the only guy who was reading that as it come as it was coming out, I have a, a sort of a much, I have a pretty deep love and affection for that era. But when when these characters come back, when these situations return, do you guys have any sort of warm feelings before this the series starts? Like, were you excited for this or no? Um. I was interested in this only because I like Dan Waters and and I like um, Eddie Barrows. Um, I I don't necessarily like have a strong love or association for Doomsday or like that. I guess I like I am kind of fond of that era, even though I wasn't reading it and only came to it after the fact. But um, yeah, no, I you know I wasn't like out of my mind excited for this or anything mm -hmm. yeah no, I'm, I'm it's exactly the same like i i care about a dan waters written book uh more than i care about doomsday although i will say um i wasn't reading i don't know if i've said this on the show before but i was too young i wasn't reading um comics at the time when when superman died but i remember it being a, a news story and i remember playing the video game adaptation and i remember being swept up in the i the mania of the idea that like superman could die and be replaced by these um you know other super man adjacent characters and mm -hmm. like the, like so i do have an effect even though i never read that whole original story, uh, I do have an, like a, a deep seated affection for it because of kind of how swept away I was by just the talk of it. Sure. Um, and I think Doomsday is a. I mean, even though that storyline was was really long, and even though there's been several returns to the, the character throughout the years, I do think there's untapped potential there. Like, I do think that there's, I do think there is DC has a doomsday event in them somewhere that affects the entire DCU and, and would bring everybody in. I, I feel like they could pull something like that off. Now. I don't, I don't think that's what they're going for here, even though we're, we're told, you know, the story will continue. Um, But what I'm saying is I, I think there's untapped potential yet with this character, even though, even though he's kind of a 
blank slate, just kind of hulking beast, you know, but I, but I, what I'm saying is I think he's not been overdone, you know, the way that a lot of characters have, the way that a lot of villains have in the DCU. Um, and so, yeah, I, and to tip my hand about what I thought about this issue, I think waters found some new territory for the character <laughs> that was interesting and well-written. Um, it um it kind of reminds me of this like venom renaissance that's been happening over at marvel where like a renaissance yeah that where you know uh this this very steeped in the 90s character is being uh revisited and and you know kind of uh, freshened up a little bit i guess in a way um by kind of up and coming big name artists and um you know doomsday and hell feels like a version of that to me sure. um and it's yeah it's just like a it's like a cool dumb idea for a cool dumb 90s character yeah i think a lot of that's pretty accurate uh from both of you my only note sort of add to that is i i, I don't think that i don't think the doomsday is a particularly good character I think no. that there are good stories that come that sort of spring out of Doomsday, right? Like I think that there 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 are interesting things that you can draw from that Doomsday brings out in the heroes around him or the, even the other villains around him, but I don't think in general there's a there's a lot to Doomsday. And so because of that, it's not like I'm trying to think of an example. I don't even know if I can pull one off the top of my head right now. But I feel like there are certain villains that are interesting enough that I will check out one of their I will check out a book with them in it just because it's fun enough to see that character play around for a while. Right. This is Doomsday is not one of those characters. There's almost nothing to the character itself. Yeah. Um, and so, but but like you said, like you folks were saying, I feel like there is uh, there is some new stuff happening here because of Dan Waters and Waters bringing an interesting approach to this character. Um so I thought that this issue was 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 more or less pretty good. You know, I I think it was a relatively predictable story. Um uh, it's obviously setting up future stuff. It also has Eddie Barrows on art and I feel like Eddie Barrows on art is like you know what you're gonna get going into it. Eddie Barrows, I think, is a very consistent artist in that I have I think it's pretty hard to look at. I mean, maybe I, I have never done this. Maybe I'm talking up my ass here, but I feel like when there are when I see Eddie Barrows on a book, this is exactly what I expect there to be. Uh it's not like his work greatly varies from issue to issue. He's a pretty consistent artist, and so I don't always love Eddie Barrows' art. I think that when Barrows has to do uh, facial expressions is when I sort of check out of Barrows' work. All of all of his facial expressions fall somewhere on the nut face scale, um, <laughs> not not as high as as you know some, but his, his characters never look very natural. I guess is what I'm trying to say uh, when when he's trying to do facial stuff with them. But I think it works for this story. I think he did some interesting visuals in hell. I thought that his Martian Manhunter was actually really good. Didn't Eddie Barrows do some of that um 
uh, Rob Williams Marshman Hunter series. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think he was the main artist. I think so too. So you know that that's a good fit for this. Um, but yeah, I, I mostly enjoyed this. Yeah, I think piggybacking off of something you said, Brian, about how there's almost nothing to Doomsday. I think that's true, and I think that that's why that's exactly why I think Dan Waters used him so smartly in this because um what do you do what do you do with these like brute characters that don't have really personalities or or, and can't really verbalize either you know in any meaningful way um you either you either make them intelligent through some power up right Mm -hmm. like like has happened on and off with like the hulk over the years Sure, sure um or you just make the issue uh, light on plot or light on dialogue story. You let the artist feature and it's like a big brawl issue, right? And that's what that's what like the average writer doing grunt work would do with a character like that. And that's not what Waters does here. Instead, Waters uses, Waters puts doomsday in like a fish out of water scenario by having him transported to hell and then uses a different a different villain who is affected by his being there and 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 crafts the story around that right mm-hmm. right so you don't have to give doomsday some artificial depth or artificial agency but you give you show how doomsday affects everybody around him. And in, in this case it's hell and it's the first of the fallen or whatever, whatever his name is. I can't remember. I that's believe right. that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's such a smart thing to do because you don't have to mess with the doomsday character too much to put him in this completely different context and make it really interesting. Like I, um, there's nothing like earth shattering here, but it reminds me of those really good one shots or like, um, uh, like bronze age, uh, annuals where it tells pretty much a complete story. I mean, we know that aspects of this will continue into the future, but it really does tell a complete story of how, Martian Manhunter uh, and Supergirl go to hell and stop Doomsday from getting out. And then the, and that's the end. And they, they get transported to this place. Supergirl has to put on this like cool armor. <laughs> I love that part. They fight. They, they figure out an unconventional solution to the problem. And then the issue ends. And it's just this nice little thing all wrapped up. Um, I, I just think it's so intelligently written for what it is like it has no business being as good as it is even though it's not like the greatest thing i've ever read you know it's just one thing i just want to i just want to tack on here before you finish up yeah is it also feels like really really well paced oh yeah this is you know it's an oversized issue and sometimes those sometimes people are so used to writing your standard 20 page comic when they have to do a story a little bit longer you sort of feel the the stretching in there, or you feel this was two issues jammed into one. Waters gives you none of that. Waters did a really good job of using the page count as it should be used. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a really good point. And I, I almost wish there wasn't the, uh, the second story in here for the. Oh, oh I actually, I actually like the second story. Really? Yeah. yeah, very much so. Oh man. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Well, we're going to differ on that this. one. <laughs> Zach, talk about this first story a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a lot more to say about it, other than I do really like the way that uh, Waters utilizes i think it's very smart how he uses kara and martian manhunter um in this story it makes sense um especially you know considering like the characters pasts and like the recent um lazarus planet stories which i don't think i actually read um but it's just like it's a really cool pairing and like Martian Manhunter's like biggest weakness is fire. And so to send him to, to hell is like a perfect, you know, that's like a place full of his kryptonite, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Having Supergirl wear uh, the armor made of like all of the like hate and whatever of the products of hell kind of is interesting considering her history of, as like a red lantern or whatever. Um, but also having her be the one to fight Doomsday is is cool. Um, I thought the art was really good from Barrows, like especially the Hell stuff um, with Doomsday. Um, yeah, I like it. It wasn't like a mind blowing or like particularly deep issue, but it was very like Vince said, or maybe it's Brian. It was like very smartly done and. Um, I am really, I am really kind of invested in seeing where this Doomsday stuff shows up next. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I know that this ends with like this will be continued in Action Comics and Superman, but we have seen a few months of solicits down the road, and we have not seen any of that yet. I wonder if this is a next year thing, or what. Um, I am surprised that DC has not adopted the model that it takes for things like Night Terrors and put it on a more character-specific level. Like, I, I always think it's interesting that outside of the Bat books doing it once in a while, you very rarely see, like, themed crossovers between titles anymore. Um like for instance, was um, was Arkham Tower the last like big bat story? Um, was there one in between there? I can't remember now. Depends on like you mean like what you like mean crossing by big. over from all the books. Well, that even didn't cross over with all the books. Really, it was all just in Detective Comics. I guess that's true, but it. it I guess that felt that big. Yeah, to, to I me, mean, if you're, if you're gonna do a Doomsday story. It has. It can't be a small story. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of the character is that it's the biggest villain there is. Yeah, I mean, I I guess so. Um, I feel like you know that the that failsafe story in the Zdarsky Batman went almost as long as the Arkham Tower story and does get referenced a lot. But mm-hmm. in terms of like the marketing, the Arkham Tower stuff was pretty heavily marketed. I think. Yes. Yeah. 
my my point is just that I, I I'm surprised that we we aren't getting more Superman like family books crossing over for big events, bat family books crossing over for big events. Mm-hmm. There is and, and by big, I'm not, I'm not I don't mean like universe shared events. I just mean yeah. like metropolis centric events or Gotham centric events. So oh. I I think this is going to be the next version of that for Superman. Probably. Yeah, we are about to get a small Batman crossover thing, which we'll talk about later, but yeah. uh, much smaller than, say, like uh, like the Joker War or something like that. Right. Yeah. The, or the Fear Fear State. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Zach, you let, why don't you start us off talking about the the backup story here, which is called Bloodwind Superman for Hell it's by Dan Waters and Max Rayner. Yeah, so this is another kind of spinoff of some Lazarus Planet stuff. This character who was involved in that Doomsday story who gets referenced by name in the the main story as, you know, this civilian who who died um, bought while taking down Doomsday. Uh, turns out he followed Doomsday into hell and he's Bloodwind now and he's the Superman of hell. And that is the coolest fucking thing I've heard in a while. <laughs> that is a very that is a very cool idea that hell has a Superman. I know Vince wasn't as fond of this as we were, but I, I, I had a similar reaction to you, Zach, when I when I saw that phrase and in the last page when it reveals the title of the story and it's a uh, Superman for hell. I uh, I did a little fist pump. That was pretty fun. Yeah um I don't the, know. the art wasn't as good as the main story i think the max rainer art was just kind of serviceable but like i want more of this character stat like i want I, this is the of the two things like this is the book i want dan waters to do this it looks like it's going to be a backup in action comics that beautiful i want it um <laughs> Which is good. Like I, I actually, although I am behind on action, I do like all the different backups that have been happening in action. I think that's a really cool way to expand the Superman family books. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bloodwind is a, is an almost totally forgotten character from uh, again that that Death of Superman era, and I really like the idea of having a a Superman specifically of of Hell. Even though I'm sure we're going to see that reference like maybe two more times in the history of comics, but I will enjoy those two times. Well, I I hope if there is like a big doomsday event coming, that that Bloodwind would be a play a, play a significant part in that. And I'm hoping that maybe some if there is a backup story in action, that his story will be leading towards whatever that doomsday event looks like. Uh-huh. Vincent, anything to add here? Not really. I just, I, I don't know. I guess a Superman for hell is, is a wacky enough idea that I should like it. I do. I did like the, the two like hell dogs or hell, hell hounds, doom hounds, whatever they are that he like immediately befriends or whatever. That, that, that's great. I guess I just think, the story was kind of too silly for me in a bad way. And I mean, like at the start of the issue, he, he is talking to a demon who throws him to the next layer of hell. And then at the end it's revealed that like he was, he tricked 
the demons into doing this at every level of hell. And it just seems, it seems kind of dumb and contrived. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of a stupid reveal. I think like, um, sure, but I mean, I, I feel like that's not that much dumber than we're used. No, to. I mean, comics are dumb, right? Like yeah, I'm just, yeah. I just, I like, it just didn't land with me. That's all. Sure. Sure. I don't uh, think it's bad. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun enough backup, but I just didn't need it. I don't, I, I cared a lot more about the doomsday stuff somehow. Sure. Um, um, I do want to say that I think that this is better than Max Rayner has been the last couple of times we've seen Max, Max's work. Um, again, he's not my favorite artist by any stretch, but I thought that he did a nice job of balancing sort of the inherent uh, like silly 90s-ness of the character with something that doesn't necessarily just look like a retro version of of this of this character. Like there is, I think it's a relatively contemporary looking comic that doesn't forget its silly 90s roots. Hmm. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. Let's talk about Night Terrors, Night's End, number one, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Howard Porter, Giuseppe Camincoli, Stefano Nessi, and Trevor Hairsign. Um, Vince, why don't you start us off with this? Um, I, uh, <laughs> what, 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 are, what were we talking about? I wasn't listening. <laughs> what? Fuck you. The uh, Night Terrors book. Okay. I, uh, I don't like it. Um, I, no, sir, I, I don't like it. I mean, what do you want me to say? It's the same thing that we've been. Uh, it's the same thing we've been saying all along about this. Um, there's no story here. There's no genuine conflict. Um, even the ending that like Zach flipped for, I just don't. I didn't I, flip for it. I just kind of you were no, you guys were saying that none of this is going to be referenced again, which like it literally tells you when this is going to be referenced again. You said they were cooking when you saw that. They are exactly. cooking a little bit. They're, they're cooking not a little cooking. bit. They're not cooking. They are not cooking a little at bit. At best, they're reheating in a microwave. <laughs> at best. I mean, so the reason I would call this cooking is because this, this okay, now anything I say is just going to sound like cope, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> well, we'll come come back to that in a second, okay? I want to talk for a second about just the idea of this being the end of the Night Terrors story. Oh, I hope. Well, the, it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I, God willing, it is right, but. It does. It, it does bleed into the Batman Gotham War stuff. It does. It does. But um, 
do we think that there was a is there a beginning middle and end to this story is there enough here to reread this sometime down the road because week to no, week are you I what, well, <laughs> let, let me finish my point i think week to week this felt incredibly slight and felt like it was i felt like we were getting half an issue worth of story stretched out to a full issue every week but sometimes that stuff reads better collected reads better when you're not waiting sort of you know for each chapter to drop week by week is there anything here that you think is going to read better that way or is this just a a lazy event all around absolutely not like i don't think so in any way and i think this is possibly the worst issue of the whole thing Wow. I don't know if I have thought about it enough to, to weigh in on that. Well, uh, consider this. I really like Howard Porter and Giuseppe Camoncoli, and I think the art is almost bad. It's bad. I mean, a lot of like the-, the worst Porter has looked ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not even certain what's going on sometimes. And there's a page. Let me, you keep, keep talking about that, Zach. I'm going to look for this page before I describe what I'm talking about. Um, um Well, talking about how bad the art looks or yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just very sloppy looking. It looks very rushed. Um, yeah. And the Howard Porter, like part of his charm is there is, it's not superimposed. Mm-hmm. And there is a looseness to his work, but this is beyond beyond what we're used to for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a scene where, like, oh god. Sorry, keep 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 talking. I gotta find this. There's nothing to talk about. No, there's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there are several scenes it. where I'm, there are several scenes where I'm I'm actually not sure what's happening other than a bunch of like purple light. Well, that was one of my notes was just the, the the fucking purple light here. Like that is used as shorthand for stuff happening. Mm-hmm. We don't actually see stuff happening. It's just like that's supposed to indicate something that we don't necessarily see. Yeah. The scene where like Robot Man and Zatanna are fighting the the sleepless nights or whatever is incomprehensible. Which like those characters also like we see art for them with names on like the covers and it's just like I'm sure that maybe those characters were in the tie-ins but they were featured almost none in the main series you know Mm -hmm. and 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 they're supposed to be like these you know the the like dark Batman analogs from from Batman from from like Dark Knight's Metal or something you know like there's supposed to be these like cool important characters that you are invested in or that you know sell sell comics but they uh, don't they do nothing <laughs> i yeah. even feel i even feel like um there are times where insomnia doesn't look like insomnia like if if you didn't see the distinctive eyes he doesn't look like the same character Mm -hmm. in some of these panels i don't know it's just really 
it's like you said, it's really sloppy. And I, I really love Porter, like Porter's stuff around the, um, shadow war last year mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I don't know. There's a scene here where he's got like the nightmare stone and he's like, I used to have nightmares of you every single night. Now I'm your nightmare and I have no idea what's going on in that panel. Um, He's like shooting something at Batman, but then also like some energy is like flowing back into his eyes for some reason. I, I just don't know. It's really ill-conceived um lore behind all of this like i don't know why certain things are happening or what the what the powers are supposed to be it it's it's again it's the problem from that we talked about last week where he's like if you die in the dream you die in real life and then he and then he kills himself and then he dies but then he's alive in the real world because he's like tied to the stone or something it's incomprehensible Yes. It's 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 not and, explained and it's not like I don't need it. I don't want a ton of exposition, but I want some kind of logic that I can tether myself to or I can say, like, this is why I care or this is why it, it matters. Right. And nothing here. There doesn't seem to be any kind of logic. To ju- It's just characters shooting uh, Kamehameha's at one another. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what what is especially frustrating from there is that it's one thing if the dialogue leaves you a little bit confused or unsure. If the art is good, that should close the gap for you. Mm-hmm. But because the art is also incomprehensible, it just feels like this is a literal blur. There are parts of this where it feels like you are spinning around looking at this comic where everything is only kind of half making sense. And this story is not complicated enough to merit that um, merit that feeling. Yeah, there's a there's also a very it feels like they they tread the same ground twice in the same comic because early in the issue, um, the Nightmare Stone or whatever shows or Insomnia shows Boston Brand like a dead family that could be his, and so like oh finally I'm not alone type of thing and it's it's meant to try to like subdue dead man and then that gets taken away from him and then like six pages later insomnia is like let's find out what you really are afraid of and it's like being alone (laughs) it's like you just did you just gave him the family and then took it away like that that conveyed that exact same point that yes that dead man's afraid of being alone I'm not sure what the point was of doing it again. I, I just, it's so half-baked. And I, I keep going back to what Zach has said about this feeling like it's written by, by chat GPT or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot shake that feeling. I cannot get it out of my head. Um, and I know that's unfair to the creators. I know that's like a, a hefty charge to be leveling at anyone, but like it's un it's uncanny. It, it, it's like, um, it's like reading Elon Musk, uh, typing out a very tortured joke. That's unfunny. And like, um, 
<laughs> you know, it, it, that also sounds like it's written by AI, you know. Yeah. The one I, thing I will say about the dead man stuff here is that and this is I think part of what leads to that AI-ish feeling is that if you squint hard enough Williamson has been seeding this stuff the entire series like the idea of him being alone and being a showman and all that like there has been instance of all of that coming to the forefront in various places as this book has has been going on for the last you know month and a half or so but the the issue is that all of that you know i think it's each of the four issues of the main series begin with boston kind of like monologuing and talking about his life a little bit and all of that is supposed to give us this like new insight into the character and the reaction that we're the reaction from the other people in the book whether it's the other characters or the way it's presented is like, look how much more we're learning about Boston. Even though it's presented that way, I don't know if we ever learned a single new thing about Boston this whole time, though. No. And that and, is very frustrating to me. And and even if you revisit that idea, and I'm no writer, I I always, I always bristle at saying like you should have done it this way instead of this way, because um, I'm not a writer. But like as a reader, even if you even if you hammered on that point about him being alone or, or, or needing a family in his life or, or longing for a family. Do you hammered that point once in this issue and you really went for it? And it was this big, like, um, emotional release or what have you turning point, but to do it once and then to make the same point again, several pages later, it's, it's tiny ripples rather than a big crescendo, I think. And it, it really, I, I found myself as a reader wondering why they were uh, doing that again and not really, not really creating a great release with it. You know, there's not a real great, like, um, catharsis here. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there isn't, you know, and of course, like Boston, quote unquote, sacrifices himself in the end. But like, though that, that idea does not do a crescendo into a nice catharsis in the way that the book is clearly meaning for it to do that. Well, they um, also, they undercut it instantly because they give him a Frosty the Snowman ending. They're oh, yeah. like he'll be back again someday. Like it, <laughs> they they don't even begin to let you believe that he's not going to. And look, I know that we we all know that Dead Man will be back sooner than later. You don't have to say that in the page he goes away on. Yeah. Yeah, but at least we got Doctor Hate, right, Zach? Yeah. What well, so first I, of all, I, that was announced like a month ago. I more don't than, know. I didn't more know than that. that. Really? Yeah. Where, where and when? Uh, um, Williamson mentioned it in his sub stack and a bunch of places picked it up. Oh, who cares about that? What I'm saying is that when you said like there was this big shock and I was like, oh, I already know about this. I didn't say it was a big shock. I said like... You should check the tape. I didn't say it was a big shock. You're definitely like putting words in my mouth or building this up. It's just like, it's a thing that's going to matter 
in future books like definitely it's gonna like it's gonna be in beast world or whatever it's gonna be in what it's is like the impetus for whatever the next big thing is you know uh it, it's the next stage of the story. So. I'm also really confused by the art in that section. Um, so help me out with this. Because. For, first of all, what is the name of that of that? a big guy in the armor with the well, who knows the guy with the armor that's holding the helmet of hate and the um oh bright. stone that's bright okay oh yeah i think she does say that in the text doesn't she yeah i just didn't i didn't take very good notes for this one because i i disliked it so much <laughs> um so bright is like holding these objects and then waller is saying both need the right person to take on the responsibility. Are you sure you're that person? Your family and friends are going to be very hurt if you choose this. And then some character in the shadows. Yes. Says soon to be Dr. Hate. Yeah. Okay. So then that care. Okay. So we're just, we're not meant to know who that character is. No. No. Okay. It all right. All right. I think I got it then. Is it do you think it's Dr. Hurt? No. Because because she says your your family and friends are going to be very dot 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 hurt. Dr. Hurt doesn't have any family or friends. Yeah, we don't know that. It all it also looks and again, like this could just be a weird coloring thing. Doesn't the character look dark skinned taking the helmet of fate and the nightmare stone? There's no yeah, uh me look. It looks like an African American character. The skin tone is almost exactly the same as Waller's skin tone. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. I don't know then. I I don't. I find myself not caring. I I I can't. I want to know who it is. I think it's dumb though, because he says or they say. Uh, they can't just use smiles to solve all our problems, which is one of the worst lines of dialogue I've seen in a while. And that's clearly a commentary on like how people talk about uh, comics being dark and gritty or edge lordy or whatever, and then yeah. like wanting wanting the the great thing about DC is that their characters are are always smiling, and you know, it's clearly a play. It's clearly like a fourth wall type thing where it's commenting on the expectations of the readership or, or whatever the perception is of what readers want out of DC coming out of a dark event or something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It's that's a terrible lie uh, line as said by the character. They can't just use smiles to solve all our problems. Well, I don't think we just got done with an event that showed like, uh, they left a bunch of destruction in their wake. <laughs> like, right. They're not just using smiles to solve their problems. Right. Um, now, it is having real world consequences. Apparently. I, I don't know. It's. Yeah. So I, I have two things I want to say about this last scene. The first one is that 
while I don't think that this is particularly handled well, I will say that we have been hearing for a few years now in some form or another Waller's like desire to turn the world on the Justice League, on the heroes, right? And I don't think that it's a terrible... I don't think the idea of the, the world turning on the Justice League, not because of a big fuck-up or anything, just because people are sort of souring on the idea of needing saviors and all that. I think that's actually... there. There's a good story that can be told from there. I don't think that this story is that, and that bums me out because I feel like just the idea of people getting tired of living in a world with superheroes, I think that there is there is something that can be done there. I know that's dangerously close to a lot of very bad stories we've had in the past, but I think there could be something there. That's number one. Number two, my totally random guess as to who Dr. Hate is going to be because this is being continued continued in uh, the Titan story, Beast World, I think it's going to be Mal Duncan, a.k.a. Harold. Mm-hmm. African-American character we haven't seen in a while. Um, has a, a, a real history with the Titans. Has, has also, a family. Has a family. Has somewhat of a complicated relationship with being a hero. Yeah, that's just that's my that's my totally harebrained guess. That's a that's a decent guess, I think. Um. Yeah. It's just that this this just this whole event left me really cold, and it's funny because we have been talking off the air for about a week now about how things are looking up at DC in terms of. There's a bunch of new series announced and, you know, we've gotten some sneak peeks at some issues coming out in a few weeks that look really interesting and how we're we're all feeling a little bit more positive about the way things are going. But after reading this issue, a lot of my enthusiasm got zapped because the, the main story of the DC universe right now is just so uninteresting to me. And I'm so sick of Amanda Waller being such a big part of the DC universe. It's just exhausting. Yeah, it yeah. is. I'm I'm really tired of the Suicide Squad milieu as a counterpoint to the heroes of the DCU. Yes. Um, I feel like that's that's been something that they've tried to jumpstart a dozen times in the last decade. And it just doesn't take. I, I feel like the I feel like the Suicide Squad is is at its best if it's some separate covert thing. I don't like this idea that it's secretly behind the scenes manipulating everything. Um, right. I think the best. I mean, Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad run. Wait. Was that Suicide Squad? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was there a mini afterwards that was like the revolutionaries or whatever? Yes. Or Okay. Well, anyway, that Suicide Squad run was the best one in years because it wasn't, it was this separate thing. It wasn't um, this secret thing that was happening to the entire DCU driving everything behind the 
behind the scenes or trying to intersect itself. Um, you know, they tried that with Rebirth, right? With the with the Justice League versus Suicide Squad thing. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't work. It's not satisfying. It's they're not natural opposites. Like this, they're trying to make the Justice League and the Suicide Squad like Batman and the Joker, where one is order <laughs> and one is chaos. But yeah, they're not. That's not the idea of either of them. Right. Right. That's that's yes. That is really well said. The Suicide Squad is not like the Justice League's opposite. The Suicide Squad is the it's the dumping ground of the DCU. It's it's the rejects, right? Mm-hmm. They're the underdogs. They're not the capable antithesis of <laughs> the superheroes of the DCU. Right. There right. there it should never be the Justice League can't do it. This is a job for the Suicide Squad. That is totally antithetical to what the Suicide Squad is supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. I just I it never catches on, and I don't think it's a good look for it. And I wish they would get it, but it's driving the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. All right. Yeah. Well, and this isn't even technically the Suicide Squad. It's really just Amanda Waller. Which is even worse somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, anything else to say about Dr. Hate or the end of this event or anything else before we never talk about it again? <laughs> um, no, we're going to we're going to talk about it again, though. We have to. Well, I, I mean, talk about night terror. The event, yeah, yeah. I got, I, I got you. Um, no, I think I'm good. Just I before we get off this forever, I just do want to say that at one point Vince was going to read the whole event, all the times. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> just reminding you that you were excited enough at one point to think you were going to do that. I, I wasn't excited. I just thought I, I just said I just thought I would. A lot of just checking the tape tonight. A lot of checking the tape. We're not checking the tape. We don't have time to do that anymore. I don't even I don't even listen to these anymore. I used to. Oh, you were a sicko then. You're a different kind of sicko now. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Our final book of the week is the beginning of the Gotham War, Batman Catwoman Gotham War number one, written by Teeny Howard and Chip Zdarsky. Illustrated by Mike Hawthorne. Uh, Zach, you would call this the most interesting book that we read this week. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. So I think this is interesting because it, it it's interesting because it's a... It's an interesting dilemma, I think, for Batman as a character in so much as he has to question his mission. He has to question the loyalty of his family. You know, he, he 
Catwoman makes some good points, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard for him. Yeah, the, the note that I wrote when I started reading this was um, this all feels very much like Principal Skinner saying, no, it's the children that are wrong. Uh-huh. Like, there is pretty clear evidence that what Catwoman's doing is working. Whether or not he likes it is a different story, but it, I think it's pretty hard to argue in story that Catwoman is not doing a good job with her intended mission of of cleaning up Gotham and, and making making Gotham a place that is safer for the average person, even if it's at the expense of, you know, the one percenters or however you want to say it. I think there's a lot of interesting ideas there. Agreed. We'll talk about the actual issue in a second, but Vince, what do you think about sort of Zach's claim of the most interesting book this week? Yeah, I think he's right on a technicality. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's, what I will say is I don't think I care about the main conflict of this story at all, which is troublesome because it, you know, ostensibly that's going to be what the event is about. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I don't care for the way that they've pitted Bruce versus Selena in this. Um, and I we'll get more into this as we talk about it, but I definitely don't care for what they're doing with Bruce's character in this at all. Um, in terms of making him like myopic, and he's a um, complete psycho in this. He's like um, he's he's a cop. He's like a complete cop, um, and just the entire issue is like talking like a psycho cop um in a way that it reminds me like one of my complaints about tom king's batman run is that anytime he wasn't directly with selena in the because the the part of that run that i really liked was when they were together and bruce was a little lighter and more romantic anytime he wasn't around selena in that run he was a complete like psycho breaking arms and just being this like humorless um terminator uh just psychopath this is all psychopath there's no there's and i know that they're doing that to set up this conflict effectively but i like i like batman and i like bruce wayne when there's a wink when there's a nod when there's a there's a there's a bit of a smile there's a little humor there's a little you know he is not this the worst Batman stories are where he's this like humorless gargoyle that is just barreling towards his mission at the expense of everything else. But don't you think that's kind of the point? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's the point and I don't like it. I know it's the point of the story. I'm not going to like the story because of it. They're the worst Batman stories to me. I know that's the point. I think the reason I'm interested is I always like when Bruce sucks and the more that Bruce sucks, the more it feels like a real Batman story. Right. You hate Bruce. I'm not missing the point here. I'm saying I don't like stories like this. I don't want to read a Batman story where he's uh, just the worst person ever. Um, 
And this is really, really leaning. I mean, everything he says is, you know, stay out of my way. I'm, you know, everything. Stats can be manipulated. The streets tell me what I need to know. And what I want to know, Montoya, you want in on how my city operates? Prove yourself. <laughs> that's that's his entire attitude through this whole thing. And it's just so grating to me. Um, but I didn't want to, I mean, you wanted my overall impressions of this. And, and and why I think it is, why I agree with Zach that it's the most interesting book of the week. And it's because of the little trappings here and there, like the Zur and R stuff creeping in. I like that. I like that, that Zur and R is like um, crossing the blood brain barrier, so to speak. <laughs> and like, and like finding his, finding his way into Bruce's like active conscience a little more. And it's messing with him. Um, I like, I I like the little ways that the Bat family are are positioning themselves. Like, um, it makes perfect sense to me that Jason would be the one who sees Catwoman's side of things, but instead of just going over to Catwoman's side, he's going to be a double agent like that. That is interesting to me. Um, the Maxi Zeus appearance was really fun. There's a lot of fun stuff here. I like, you know, if if Bruce in this comic is insufferable and, and overly serious, but they are very playful with how they treat the villains and the, um, the villains underlings in this. The fact that they, they have the bar where the villain... Uh, underlings go and they wait for their next job, whether it's working with the penguin or the Riddler. I I do love it's very animated series uh, style when DC is playful about how the villains are this network that these underlings work for and they're mistreated and underpaid and, and cannon fodder basically. And uh, it, it plays upon the costume themed aspect of these villains that part's fun. It's just that Batman is, there's not even a hint of fun with Bruce in this. Um, and maybe that changes. Hopefully that changes. It's, it looks like we get the one scene with the Riddler where he's like, perhaps Batman needs a new friend. And that's intriguing to me. Like, I think that's a, that's an interesting idea. And I could see them having fun with that, but I just don't like Batman stories where Batman is entirely unlikable all the way through. Uh, so that's my issue here. So I, I want to hear Zach's retort to that for a second, but I don't disagree with that, Vinzi. I feel like I don't love those types of Bruce stories either, but I will say that <coughs> I think in order to make the point that they're trying to make, which the, the point is that, Catwoman's right about this, at least in the short term, right? Well, you can't really argue the Catwoman's plan isn't working. To make it so that you don't doubt that her plan is working, Bruce has to be the worst version of himself. And I think the story is is much weaker by making Bruce 100% the bad guy here. It, I don't think that's going to be how it's going to stick in the story. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's right. Um, 
because I mean, in this in this issue, we get a lot of different people basically telling Bruce he's doing things wrong, and we just we need to have him at the bottom so that he can claw his way back. That's the way these stories work. Yeah, and I think I suspect you're right, but I think it I think it sacrifices the character a little to make that happen and I don't like that. Like I it's kind of the thing that Tom King does frankly, which is to to take a character and mold that character to the story he wants to tell rather than making it truly sound like sure sure like the character and you and to be fair you can argue that psychotic bruce wayne is a valid interpretation of the character and i i guess i won't argue with you there I, i'm just saying for my money those are all the worst stories <laughs> i have an interesting place i want to take this moment here what zach has to say first um i didn't love this i did think that bruce was a little over the top and almost out of character even though i do think that his reaction to all of this felt mostly this was obviously like the correct reaction even though it did come on a little bit strong I think as a status quo is really interesting. Um, I don't think that they necessarily take it far enough. Um, Zdarsky and Howard, I was actually thinking about this in terms of like earlier today, how, uh, you know, we've kind of alluded to this type of idea several times before about how like certain DC properties need a hox pox kind of thing. And I was thinking about how like, what is the answer to like Krakoa for Batman? And it is something like this. It's like a change in the status quo of how crime works. And um, I really like that idea. Um, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes. Um, but I, I did I did feel it was like a little overwritten at times. I, I I also, you know, am interested in like the potential schisms that could come out of this and kind of like the longer lasting ramifications. At the same time, I'm like pretty tired of Bruce and Selena like fighting all the time. You know, there's like a character, some one of the back characters makes a joke like, oh, mom and dad are fighting. I don't like this. And it's like, yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> Make it stop. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I was overall like pretty positive on this, but as like the start of an event, but I, I thought it was pretty, you know, far from perfect, definitely. I think part of that um distance from perfection, and maybe part of Vince's problem with this is that I think Mike Hawthorne on art just sort of his his Bruce looks insane in every scene he's in. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's a little bit hard to, to read nuance into the character because of the uh, the way that he's drawn in every scene. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never been a, a Hawthorne fan, really. Just from a stylistic uh, perspective, and and I think it is like, yeah. He he's he's just, and maybe any artist would have done this, but. Bruce is just su such a grim 
everything in his face and his posture, it's it's all so grim and over the top and frowny. And, and again, I know that's what they're going for, but it's it's over the top. It's too much. So I have a question that I don't think I don't think I have any insight here, but I think it will be fun if I was right about this. Just a kind of a crackpot theory I have going on here. So we talked before about how every 10 years or so there's another doomsday story that happens that somewhat references that the time either of Superman's death or the return with the four characters of who all of whom were teased as possibly being Superman. And I feel like while we have had, you know, Bane stories or whatever, it's been a long time since we've had a there's a different Batman running around story. Could this be leading to a story like that? I don't know. <sighs> Here, here's why I'm saying that. And also, and I'm not including the next Batman. Is that what it's called? The Jace Fox character? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about that necessarily. But I feel like this is the type of story that was told, like, for instance, when um, when Tony Stark gave up being Iron Man, part of it was just like a disgust and an exhaustion of what it meant to be Iron Man. And I could see this being like that Bruce kind of agrees that it's working, but he can't do this on his terms so he's walking away from being Batman. Now, that's not going to last for very long, but I could sort of see this being an instance where Jason adopts the Batman mantle in conjunction with what Catwoman's doing. And I actually think there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen from that. But I think that's just me being a fanboy and not really what's going to happen in the comic. Yeah, that sounds way more interesting than what is I think is probably going to happen. <laughs> but I did just get I did get like I'm getting too old for this shit vibes, which would lead. I mean, Bruce even says like, you know, he has that thing with his hand, which I forget now what happened to his hand. Do we do we remember what happened to his? I hand? don't know. I assume that that was something from the failsafe arc. Yeah, that's yeah. in Zadarsky's. Yeah. Um, but like he says, you know, like I'm I'm not healing the way I used to I have to still give off this like Batman mirage that I'm, you know, this uh, eternal non-human character or whatever. It all just gives me very much, you know, that that just. I- I'm getting too old for this. The game is changing and I'm not changing along with it. It's time for me to take a step back. And like I, I said to see Bruce he, not be Batman for a while. Yeah, he, I, he says too. that in every he says that in every major arc, though. He's I would have loved to have seen Bruce all. not be Batman post 2009 <laughs> <laughs> and forever. Yeah. Yeah. Is there still time to put him in jail <laughs> like they were going to? Oh, man, maybe. What if this is how it happens? What if they still do that? That'd be great. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. Um. It's fair. also just weird because, like, I, I don't know. Selena is just like an 
infinitely more likable character than Bruce in every possible way. Um, so like, of course I'm going to root for her. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I do think that while it makes sense that Jason would be the one to be a double agent or whatever, I also think Jason is, and we've been through this a hundred times, the least interesting of the bat family. Um, although I did really like that Zadarsky written Jason arc from urban legends. Mm -hmm. So I, I suppose there is, there is some hope for this being interesting, but it's uh, yeah, I, I, I liked this better than I thought I would. I thought that this was an, like Zach said, like interesting is a good word for it. Even if it wasn't fully pulled off, I think that there there are interesting ideas being bandied about here, and I could see this turning into something fun. I could also see this being the most interesting story in this event, and it being a complete snooze. I'd say the odds are about equal for that. Yeah, I do like that the event is pretty self-contained. Like, I, I will actually probably follow all of this, and I've I've actually been tempted to go back and read all of Zdarsky's run up to this point. So maybe I'll do that too. Um, I didn't. I fell off of Catwoman a while back, and I I still don't necessarily feel like I want to go back and read all that. But this does feel like a good jumping-on point for that. Did you guys see the controversy going on with Catwoman? Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, yes. I forget who the artist it was. was Nico, Nico Leone. Leone. Nico Leone, yeah. Basically threw Teeny Howard under the bus and said that the script was three weeks late and how he was going to get basically, he was going to have to to either push through less than perfect art or else he'll be blamed for the delays. And it's not his fault. Yeah. And I don't I don't doubt that what he's saying is true, but that I mean, do we think he just basically committed career suicide here? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe at DC, I don't know. Yeah. Very very strange. Uh any last Gotham War thoughts? Um I don't I don't guess so. I, I uh you know I, I may I'm I'm gonna read it because you're 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 not wrong, Brian, that they can easily start Bruce at this one point so they can advance him to this this other point of growth or whatever. And and that's you know, that's what good writers do. I just think it starts off on such a sour note for me, but the, but there's a lot in the periphery that I like. So so I'm here for it. Um, I'll, I guess I, I'll keep reading it. Um, I just reading they, garbage. Yeah, yeah. DC, DC is probably very upset with me, <laughs> such, such that they know who I am at all. But I'll keep reading that garbage. Well, uh, Vinci, speaking of that garbage, what's coming out next week? Uh, next week, Batman 137, Birds of Prey number one, Blue Beetle number one, uh, City Boy number four, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville number one, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing number 10, Justice Society of America number six, Pe oh, excuse me, Peacemaker Tries Hard number five, Poison Ivy 14, Shazam number three, and Steelworks number four. 
Well, until then, you can find two thirds of us on social media. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at the woke of Z on if things. You, on things, yes. Um, if you need to find Vince, he, he has he has established he is on Blue Sky, but will not say what his uh what his handle is there. But all you need to know, know to find him is just look for every reference to Built This Pool by Lincoln 82, <laughs> and you will be directed directly to Vince's uh account. Is that is that am I the only one? I, I believe you're the only person on Blue Sky to mention uh, built this pool so far. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's a solid bit that you and I partake in quite frequently. But I, I think I, I think you are the the preeminent built this pool scholar <laughs> at this point. I think about it all the time. Yeah, it's a great song. It's easily the best Blue Infinity Two song of the 21st century. So. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you soon. Bye. I waited until after the confession before I hit and record, so we said to talk vaguely now, so it's not on government record here.